So this is eternal judgment. Uh, actually, you know, I just want to pray. Lord, uh, I pray the reality, <clears throat> reverence, the fear of God, your kindness and severity would come, the full counsel of God. Um, help, Lord, help um, for us to see uh, judgment as you see it. Um, Lord, for those of us who've already been judged righteous, it is a glorious time. Uh, glorious time. But for those, Lord, who don't know you, oh, eternal judgment is a scary thing, Lord, and, and the scariest thing. God, I pray we would understand it rightly. We would divide the word of truth rightly. Holy Spirit, come and illuminate your word. Give us revelation and wisdom. Spirit of wisdom and revelation, come and let us see Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. So this is eternal judgment. So the word, the word judge means to separate or make a difference between. Uh, which is super funny, seeing as how a lot of people are like, don't judge me. You, you know, and it's like judging has such a, a, a condemn, condemning undertone to it in our culture. Um, but really, when you look at the, the word, that's not what's there. Um that's really not what it means. So the word judge, again, means to separate or make a difference between. This includes bringing to trial, examining evidence, determining guilt or innocence, and deciding the penalty for sin. Eternal judgment is the great and final judgment spoken of in the Bible, which determines the eternal destiny of all souls. So eternal judgment is the great and final judgment spoken of in the Bible, which determines the eternal destiny of all souls. So we understand that there is going to be a judgment that's made. And when it is made, it's going to determine where you spend all of eternity. It means time without end. Uh, eternal means without a beginning or an end. It's that which always has been and always will be. Never to cease, everlasting. That is what eternal means. So this judgment is it. It's final forever and ever and ever. Um, this time on this earth, if you are not born again, uh, you are already eternally judged if you are born again you are already eternally judged what do you mean i mean that if i'm born again and remain in christ i'm already judged righteous by his blood if i'm outside of christ and have not responded to the gospel in that moment my judgment has already been made and i will spend eternity in the lake of fire that judgment is already made in this life, this is, and I've heard it called like zero time. You know, this life will deter, the choices made in this life will determine which judgment you receive in eternity. Uh, there is a judgment of rewards. There is a judgment that we receive for those of us who have received uh, eternal life through Christ already being resurrected already in the spirit. If you're born again. <clears throat> Your spirit man is already resurrected from the dead. You will never die. That's why the Bible says that the day of death is actually greater than the day of birth. Because the day of death, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. He who is one with the Lord is one spirit with the Lord. My spirit is one with God who is eternal. Therefore, I cannot die. Does that make sense? If I willingly separate myself... From that eternal one and I turn away, divorce God, then that's when, again, I can be judged the other way. But we need to rightly understand what we're talking about here. We're not really going to get into um, our re receiving our rewards, although that is a judgment um, for eternity. Uh, that is based upon what you do in this life. So all of us will stand before the judgment seat, all of us will be judged. Those of us who have already been judged righteous to receive eternal life 
will give account for what we did with what God has given us, whether we were good stewards or bad stewards, uh, whether we lived our lives for ourselves or whether we lived our lives for Jesus. What did you do with the gifts God has given you? Uh, he who wishes to save his life will lose it. He who loses his life will gain it. This is what Jesus is speaking of, is the rewards. Everything you've done will be tried by fire. And it will be tested in the fire to see whether it's pure, whether it's, oh, the Bible says, either wheat or, or chaff, whether it's good or bad. And the chaff will all be burnt up. Only what's pure will remain before the Lord. And then we will receive a reward from the Lord that we get the honor of giving right back to him. Uh, it's amazing. So, but in this context, we're talking about eternal judgment as far as where are you going to go? Um. <clears throat> Eternal is mentioned 299 times in the Bible, the word eternal, 299 times. Judgment is mentioned 623 times in the Bible. So who is the judge? Who's going to, who makes these judgments? Well, the judge is Jesus. Jesus is the judge and so is his body. He who is one spirit with the Lord, he who is one with the Lord is one spirit with the Lord. Uh, his body will be joining him to judge the world. That's us. We'll actually be joining Jesus in judgment. It's so funny because we often so separate Christ from his bride, but it's super interesting. Paul's like, you, you know, a woman leaves her or a man leaves his mother and father, the two uh, husband and wife two become one flesh. And then right in the middle, he goes, and this is a mystery. I speak of Christ in the church, like becoming one with the Lord. And then we separate the head from the, the body, <laughs> but the body is conjoined to the head. They're one body, one thing. We are one with the Lord. We are seated in Christ with the Lord. Um, I actually recently had an encounter in, uh, when we were in Atlanta and I could feel heat hitting the back of my neck and wind hit the back of my neck and heat hit the back of my neck and are not all, uh, my ministers like flames, winds and flames of fire. So it was the angelic. God was highlighting the angelic on the neck. And I started to look up the neck and what does the neck do? The neck conjoins the head from the body. And I really feel like the Lord is releasing the angelic in the earth to assist the conjoining of the body to the head that we've got to stop this. So often we look at, the church and Christ is two separate things. Well, we are the church and we are, that's true. We are the church, but we are his body. We are one with the Lord. Paul makes it very clear. When you go and join your members to the members of a harlot, you're actually joining Christ's body to the members of a harlot. Like we've got to stop separating things that are not separated and joining things that are not joined by scripture. Does that make sense? So who judges Jesus and his body? The Bible says this, in John chapter 3, verse 35 through 36, the Father loves the Son and has placed everything in his hands. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Again, the judgment already being made. But whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on them. Judgment already made, uh, based upon whether you're receiving his Son or not. Jesus is the judgment. Jesus will both judge and he is the judgment. His cross and what he did on Calvary and his life, whether you can join your life to him or not, is eternal judgment. You are already judged. Satan, already judged. Already defeated. Uh, John chapter five, verse 20 through 23 for the father loves the, uh, for the father loves the son and shows him all he does. Yes. And he will show him even greater works than these so that you will all be amazed for just as the father raises the dead and gives life, gives them life. Even so the son gives life to whom he is pleased to give it. Moreover, the Father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. 
Jesus is the judge. And again, we will join him in that judgment. First Corinthians chapter six, verse two says, don't you realize that someday we believers will judge the world? Revelations 20 verse four. Then I saw thrones and the people sitting on them had been given the authority to judge. So as Christ judge, so we will judge. Again, our life becomes his life. We, the Bible says Jesus could only do what he sees the Father doing, and we can only do what we see Jesus doing. So we are judged twice. <clears throat> Once already, if we believe, and that judgment is according to the blood of Jesus and determines our eternal position. Secondly, we are judged according to our works done on earth after salvation. And again, that judgment is to receive our eternal reward. The world and the wicked are judged by Christ and his body, the saints, and that judgment is eternal. Uh, it's super interesting, the gospel and many of the gospels that are being, they're really a different gospel, that are being preached throughout um Throughout the earth, you know, the, the full gospel as preached by Jesus and the apostles is this. God coming in flesh, repentance from sin to God, being made right with God by the work of the cross, living godly lives, self-control, uh, the resurrection from the dead, Christ's return and eternal judgment and receiving the Holy Spirit. The God, both Jesus and the apostles gospel that they preach the good news about Christ always included eternal judgment. I'm going to show you here um, in Acts chapter three, verses 19 through 24. It says, repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord and that he may send the Messiah who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. Heaven must receive him until the time comes for God to restore everything as he promised long ago through his holy prophets. For Moses said, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. You must listen to everything he tells you. Anyone who does not listen to him will be completely cut off from their people. Indeed, beginning with Samuel, all the prophets who have spoken have foretold these days. What days? The coming judgment. That if you do not listen to him, you will be completely cut off, already judged. Uh, Acts chapter 3, verse 19 through 24. As Paul talked about righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come, Felix was afraid and said, that's enough for now. You may leave. When I find it convenient, I will send for you. That's Acts 24, uh, verse 25. I, I find it very interesting. And here's Paul speaking to a ruler. One would say, well, maybe Paul would dial it down because he's speaking to a king. But you just don't see that. Paul is presenting the full gospel. What was the full gospel? Righteousness. What is righteousness? Righteousness is right standing with God. How do you get righteous? How do you get a right standing with God? Only by the shed blood of Jesus. Only by what he did on the cross. That God came in flesh, walked among men, died, hung on a cross, buried, resurrected, ascended. Like that's what made you right with God. You can't make yourself right. There's nothing you can do to make yourself right with God. You're made right only by the shedding of his blood. And then self-control. That's the living out of the life of Christ. God did not give you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love. And some say a sound mind, but it's also self-control. Meaning this, you've been delivered of the desires and the lust of the flesh, filled with the spirit, and God has breathed his nature in you. Your old nature, the sinful nature, has now been transformed into the righteous nature of Christ. And there is power to live this thing out. And there is a judgment to come. There is a judgment to come. That's the full gospel. And you see him. And how does Felix respond? Unfortunately, how many respond to the true gospel? You know, I'll hear at a more convenient time. You know, preacher, I really don't want to hear that right now. It's not tickling my ears. Tell me something else. Tell me an encouraging message that builds me up. I don't know. This is upbuilding to me. 
that I'm made righteous with Christ, like that's upbuilding. That I can live self in self-control. That I don't have to be bound up to pornography. That I don't have to be bound. My, you mean I can tell my sexual desire what to do? I don't have to be controlled by my sexual desire. Man, that's uplifting and upbuilding to me. But that uplifting and upbuilding is void all truth if you don't couple it with the fact that eternal judgment is coming. Does that make sense? Matthew 3, verse 12. His winnowing fork is in his hand, who's Jesus's, and he will thoroughly clear his threshing floor, and he will gather his wheat into the barn, that's us, and he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire, that's the lost. Moreover, whoever does not receive you, nor heed your words, as you go out of that house or that city, Shake your dust off of your feet. He's speaking to us. Because again, Christ judged and his body. Truly I say to you, it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. It's crazy. You know, Jesus said of, I think it was, woe unto you, Bethsaida. Uh, he said, because if the miracles that have been done in you were done in Sodom and Gomorrah, they would have repented. So we look at Sodom and Gomorrah and we're like, man, that was terrible. Like that was a crazy judgment. God totally wiped it out. But God's like, there's something worse coming for those who don't respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Matthew 12, 36 through 37. But I tell you that every careless word that people speak, they will give an accounting for it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Every one of you have been given the greatest gift on the planet, the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ. And whether you share it or not, you better believe you're going to be standing before Jesus and giving an account on whether or not you spoke the truth, on whether or not you shared and gave that gift away. Freely you have received, freely give. Our ministry is called Encounter 1078. Many have asked us, what is that? It's out of Matthew Chapter 10, verse 7 through 8. You see, it says right before Matthew 10, uh, 7 through 8, in, in Matthew 10, I think it's 1 through 7, it says Jesus calls to himself the, the apostles and releases them power to cast out devils, power to heal the sick. So what is that? That's an encounter with the living God. So G that through encounter, they receive power, they receive the gospel. Then it says in Matthew 10, 7 through 8, go and preach, saying the kingdom of, that, of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, cast out devils, raise the dead. Freely you have received, freely give. We receive by encounter, and then we go and give away what we've received. You will be held accountable. All the amazing things that God has moved, the way he's moved in our meetings, the way he's poured out his spirit, the things that we have imparted, we've released you. The Holy Spirit has released the gifts that you've been given, the truth that you've been told here on Sundays, here on Wednesday. You will give an account before Jesus. What did you do with it? The message we gave on each one reach one, the messages we've given on evangelism that you've heard the truth, you will stand before Jesus and give account on what you have spoken and what you have not spoken. This is truth. There are eternal consequences to what we do in this life. Matthew uh, 13, 49 through 50. So it will be at the end of the age, the angels will come forth and take out the wicked from among the righteous. Boy, that's a little bit different than uh, some of the doctrines we've been taught. But anyway... Uh, and will throw them into the furnace of fire. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Uh, John 5, 22. For not even the father judges anyone, but he has given all judgment to the son. John 12, 48. He who rejects me, does not and does not receive my sayings has one who judges him the word i spoke is what will judge him at the last day so again you're judging yourself it's so funny because the world loves to say only god can judge me actually you've already been judged 
if you haven't received the words of Christ, you are declaring your own judgment. You're receiving the judge, the eternal judgment and eternal damnation. You're receiving it. Um, Romans 2, 5 through 10. But because of your stubbornness and unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself in, a, in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. I love that because it's a revealing of the judgment that's already come. Uh, who will render to each person according to his deeds. To those by who by perseverance in doing good seek for glory and honor and immortality, eternal life. But to those who are selfishly ambitious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, wrath and indignation. There will be tribulation and distress for every soul of man who does evil, of the Jew first and also the Greek, but glory and honor and peace to everyone who does good, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5 and 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Who is all? All. So that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body according to what he's, he has done, whether good or bad. 2 Timothy 4, 8. In the, in the future there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only me, but also those who have loved his appearing. Let me tell you, if you catch yourself despising the day of the Lord's appearing, watch it. The spirit and the bride say come. When you're like, I'm not, when you say, I'm not looking forward to the coming of the Lord, you're actually declaring I'm not a bride. If the spirit and the bride say come. We love his appearing. I would that none should perish. So does God. That's why he hasn't come yet. He would that none would perish. He doesn't want to see any, any get cast into the lake of fire. That's why he's holding up. It's not because he's slack in his word. But I love it. I, I can't wait. Come, Lord Jesus. Come. Second Peter 3, 10 through 12. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief in which the heavens will pass away with a roar and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat and the earth and its works will be burned up. Since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, what sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness looking for and hastening the coming day of God because of which the heavens will be destroyed by burning and the elements will melt with intensity. This takes me to um, our next point. Uh, we want to rightly divide the word of truth and we want to understand it rightly. And unfortunately, there is biblical illiteracy and ignorance in the Bible, even in some of our language and the things we, we teach and preach. And we'll say, you know, brother, you better, uh, you don't want to spend all of eternity in hell. You know, people say that. Do you know that that is actually a, a, a completely inaccurate biblical statement? No one is going to spend eternity in hell. Huh? What do you mean nobody's going to spend eternity in hell? Well, hell's going to be cast into the lake of fire. And the lake of fire is where they're going to be spending eternity. Those who have been judged. They're two different places. Hell is the place of the dead. Lake of fire is where they'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Where the fire never goes out. That's the lake of fire. We are not going to spend eternity in heaven. Huh? What? No. You're not going to spend eternity in heaven. I'm sorry. That is a biblically inaccurate statement. We are going to spend eternity in the new heaven. In the new earth. Dwelling with God. I just read it to you. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief in which the heavens will pass away with a roar and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat. The earth and its works will be burned up since all these things are to be destroyed in this way. 
What sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming day of the Lord, because of which the heavens will be destroyed by burning and the elements will melt with intense heat? All of it is gone. Heaven will pass away, earth will pass away, and hell will be gripped up and thrown into the lake of fire. So what happens to us now when we die? Well, right now, where is the Lord? The Lord is in heaven. To be absent from the body is to be present from the Lord. So why do we say when we pass, we enter into eternity? Well, that's kind of accurate. But it's actually more accurate that when I became born again, I entered into eternity already. Because eternal judgment's already been made. I'm already born again. I'm already going to live forever and ever and ever in the presence of the Lord. What is immortal is this body. And one day this immortal, sorry, what's mortal is this body. And one day this immortal spirit will put on an immortal body. Paul says the, the corruptible will put on incorruptible. But my spirit man has been born again and my soul is being saved. This is biblically accurate, and we have to understand it rightly. We really got to get it because if, I, I feel like what the enemy tries to do is he tries to get us to believe half truths or just be okay with it, uh, and then if we're honest, we, then we become lazy and lackadaisical with truth. But we want to understand it rightly. So, what happens to the wicked when they die? Well, they go to hell, Sheol, the place of the dead. Well, what happened before Christ when people died? Well, you get to see that if you go and look about look in the parable of, and I'm just going to paraphrase it. You can look it up. But if you look in the parable of Lazarus and the rich man, not Lazarus who was raised from the dead, but Lazarus and the rich man, and they were both in Sheol, the place of the dead. So everybody went, and the Bible says this place is in the center of the earth. That's what it says. Everybody, when they died, their spirit man went there. Everybody. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, all of them went there. And it says that they were awaiting the promise. They were waiting on Christ. If you read in Hebrews, it says by faith they believed God wouldn't, wouldn't leave them there. David's saying, you'll not leave me, my soul, in Sheol. You'll not leave me in Sheol because he knew where he was going. And so you see the wicked would be in one side of Sheol, and the righteous who lived right lives would be in Abraham's bosom and you'll see it was this dry place and if you remember Jesus says when demons are cast out they're sent to a dry place and if you remember where um and then and then they return it says but if you remember uh, uh, the rich man is begging Lazarus he can see Lazarus across a great chasm and he's begging him give me a drink of water because it's so dry there it's so void. The presence of God is not there. He is living water. He who drinks of me will never thirst again. They are, it, it, hell is this place of utter separation from the presence of God. Man, they are so void. They can't experience. You, you have no idea. Even the wicked have no idea walking on this earth because God's presence is still here. But man, you separate it. And you, I'm telling you, man. That's why it was so great a, a, a feat of what Jesus did leaving heaven because of the of the oneness with God. He left and came and walked. And there was even a separation then. But when sin came on Jesus and he said, Father, Father, why have you forsaken me? He felt the Father had to turn away from him because my sin and your sin came on Jesus. And that's what they're experiencing on that other side of the, of the chasm. They, they, they don't know. They don't even know. The, the presence of God is not there. And it's so... Oh, it's su such a torment for for our spirit. Um, now I'm gonna probably get into some of my opinion and and my understanding of of it because some of it is not black and white in scripture. Um, so I'm gonna do I'm gonna give you the best of my understanding. Whatever you agree with it or not, that that's fine. It's not gonna <clears throat> make or break anything, but. Um, I believe, um, just just from my revelation and understanding of Scripture, that um, Abraham's bosom was much like a paradise. This is why Jesus is standing on the cross. He looks to the thief on the cross who believes on him, and he says, Today you'll be with me in paradise. And Jesus ascends to the to the end of the earth for three days. It says the Son of the man, a man went down in for three days and then paraded the devil down around there. So we know the devil's down there. We know he can come and go. Because he's on the earth and he's down there. 
So that shows you right there. Um, people say, where's that in the Bible? It's right there. He parades him around, showing him to be defeated. But I believe, thank you, I believe that um, when Jesus resurrected, Abraham's bosom was actually taken up in, and it was it's no longer in the center of the earth. Why? How do we know that? Because if you go back and you read, uh, and I, I don't know if it's the gospel of John, which gospel it is, but when Jesus uh, died, the saints of old actually got resurrected. All the old saints of old were resurrected, and it says they literally went and visited their ancestors. Can you imagine that? Like, you know, you're an ancestor of, of Ezekiel, and next next thing you know, this ragtag dude just, like, knocks on the door like, Hey, fam! And he's like, huh? Who are you? And he's like, I'm the prophet Ezekiel. And he's like, what? You know, and he starts just, can you imagine that? You know, but all the saints of old are, like, walking around. And then I believe when Christ ascended, you know, the 40 days he was there, and he was seen amongst many when he walked, resurrected for 40 days, teaching about the kingdom. I believe that when Christ ascended, he took them with them. And now when we're absent from the body, we're present with the Lord because we're one with spirit. And where he is, we will be also. This is why he tells the disciples, where I go to make a place for you. So when you leave, that's where you'll be. When we leave this mortal, that's where we'll be. Unless we're here on the coming of the Lord. And then this mortal gets put into immortal. This corruptible puts on incorruptible. I'm, I'm going to stretch a little bit too and tell you a little bit more what I think happened. I believe that when Christ did that, Satan was already down there messing with hell. Uh, it, again, it says when you cast out demons, they go into a dry place. We see this place where this guy is dry. And I believe that, you know, they, they straight up took com over completely. Shale. Um, we know that there are, this is also, Shale, also the bottomless pit. We also know that fallen angels are bound up and kept there for eternal judgment. See that in scripture. And I believe they are currently tormenting people. And we have seen through experience and other people that have seen hell, they have seen what's going on there. But understand that as bad as hell is, it is not the worst it can get. Ooh, thanks, Lord. As good as heaven is, it's not as good as it's going to get. New heaven and new earth will be better. If it wasn't going to be better, God would just give us heaven. Heaven is great. Heaven is great. Don't get me wrong. It's amazing. Glorious. Perfect. But apparently new earth and new heaven is going to be better. Because why wouldn't he just give us heaven? They call the new earth and the new heaven the city of bliss. One of the names, it literally means the city of bliss. Ex, the city of ecstasy. That's what it means. Some people don't like to talk about that. Oh, you're being sensual, brother. No, like at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Fullness of joy. I'll wipe away all tears. I'm getting a little ahead of myself. But do we understand heaven and hell I want to show you um, a little bit more on the separation of the difference between hell and uh, and the lake of fire and heaven and the new earth so I want to show you in the Bible um, that is that is not uh, a stretch that is not my opinion that is not believe this is 100% Bible and I'm going to show you that and I, I do believe we'll get through it um, I'm going to hurry uh, but I do believe we'll we'll get through it. Um, what I'm not going to touch on is I'm not going to touch on the trumpets of, and the seals, and I'm not going to touch on the bowls of wrath. Why? Because those those though those are the judgments of God, they are not eternal judgments. They actually end. The only eternal judgment is the lake of fire, or the city of bliss, damnation or bliss. That is the eternal judgment. It is one or the other. There is no purgatory. Um, I, I think the revelation of what hell is right now is how it got twisted into purgatory. There's false doctrine out there that tells you hell's this place where people are getting buffered now and purified and they'll all enter heaven later. Uh-uh. No, no, no. We're going to look at what the Bible says and just stick to the Bible. So... I believe eternal judgment, again, for the sake of this teaching, we're going to pick up eternal judgment beginning in Revelations chapter 19, verse 11 through chapter 22. 
We're going to get a lot of scripture. How many of you know it's okay to have a lot of scripture? I want a whole lot of spirit, and I want a whole lot of scripture. I want a whole lot of glory, and I want a whole lot of word. I don't want to be lopsided either way, man. I want to know God and know him rightly, and I want to be slap, smack, filled with the gooey glory of God. Amen? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. I feel the Lord on this, too. You feel that? It's not heavy. It's like it's still really good. The presence is here. Thank you, Jesus. So we're going to start in verse 11. Now I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. This is chapter 19, verse 11. Now I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. And he who sat on him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. Man, I just said, love the Word of God. Isn't that crazy? (laughs) And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. This, I believe, are the saints mingled with the angelic. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that with it he should strike the nations. And he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress in the fierce and the wrath of Almighty God. Who brings the wrath of God? Jesus, the spotless, lovely Lamb. And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Man, I feel the Lord. Woo. Then I saw an angel standing in the sun. And he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the birds that fly in the midst of heaven, Come and gather together for the supper of the great God, that you may eat the flesh of kings, the flesh of captains, the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses, and those who sit on them, the flesh of all people, free and slave, both small and great. And I saw the beast, the kings of the earth and their armies, gathered together to make war against him who sat on the horse, and against his army. Then the beast was captured, with him the false prophet, who worked signs in his presence. So at this point, the beast and the false prophet have been on earth working signs and, and, and deceiving many. Um, I'm going to stay away from eschatology today. All right. Because we're on eternal judgment. Hopefully we'll go there, but I'm just going to stay away from eschatology today. I think most of you know where we, we land at that anyway. Uh, but anyway... Him, the false prophet who worked signs in his presence by which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. These two were cast into the lake of fire burning with brimstone. So the, the beast and the false prophet are the first to enter into eternal judgment on that side. Does that make sense? They're cast into the lake of fire. And the rest were killed with the sword, which proceeded from the mouth of him who sat on the uh, horse, and all the birds were filled with their flesh. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit, and a great chain in his hand. He laid hold of the dragon, that serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. And he cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal on him. So here's the devil, the little G God of this world, still very present in the world, right? Now the false, the beast and the false prophet done with cast into the lake of fire, but not Satan. Satan is bound up, placed in hell, the bottomless pit placed there, the shale, the place of death placed there for uh, a thousand years. Set a seal on him so that he should not deceive the nations no more till the thousand years were finished. But after these things, he must be released for a little while. I then, and, and I saw thrones and they set on them and judgment was committed to them. So it seems like there is eternal judgment taking place while, while the devil is bound for a thousand years. It seems as though thrones are there and we're sitting judging the world at that time is what it seems. I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their witness 
to Jesus and for the word of God who had not worshipped the beast or his image and had not received his mark on their foreheads or their hands. Again, it's super interesting with eschatology. I hope you're catching that. And they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. But the rest of the dead did not live again until the thousand years were finished. So the dead, those in hell, remain there. It says, but those uh, who were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and the word, they were with him. All right, it says this. This all right, so did not live until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. So that lets you know there will be two resurrections of the dead. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he who is part in the first resurrection. Over the second death has over such the second death has no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him for a thousand years. Now when the thousand years have expired, Satan will be released from his prison and will go out to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, whose number is as the sand of the sea. This is crazy to me. Because here's Jesus ruling and reigning on the earth for a thousand years. Like, I believe you'll you'll see this time is alluded to in Ezekiel, where it says that if one dies at the age of 120, it will be considered an early death. Like, so Satan in the, the effects of the sin of sin, it seems are alleviated from the earth. And so sickness and disease and all these things are few and far between. It says there'll be trees there, the healing for the day. You'll see it in Ezekiel. Go read Ezekiel. I think it alludes to this thousand year reign where Satan, his power, he, he's been bound up and cast. So there's this, and this is on the earth as it is now. Christ will literally be in Jerusalem for a thousand years. And, and we will rule and reign with him during that thousand years. So, um, that's beautiful, right? right? Um, then it says that Satan will be released to go and deceive. So obviously there are still those who are present on the earth uh, who aren't following Jesus, which is bananas to me. Like he's here in glory. You can literally like go to Jerusalem and see the king. And there's still those who are able to be deceived by Satan. It says, they will. They went up, this is verse 9, they went up on the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city. So obviously, where will we be? Our camp will be Jerusalem. We'll be with Jesus in the, in the holy city. And it says, um, and fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. Then the devil who deceived them was then cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are. And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. So first the beast, then the false prophet, then the devil himself after the thousand years cast into the lake of fire. Mm -hmm. Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God. And books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the book. So again, here's the second resurrection. The sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them. And Hades is hell. Uh, and they were judged, each one, according to his works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. Anyone not found written in the book of life was cast in the lake of fire. What is the book of life? Well, Jesus talks about it later in Revelation not having your name blotted out of the Lamb's book of life. The book, your name is written in the book of life when you receive Christ. It's the record of those who are his. Uh, Revelations 21. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Completely passed away. 
Also, there was no more sea. Sorry, beach lovers. There was no more sea. It's so funny because often be like, when I get to heaven, I'm going to have a house on the beach. And you're like, how about you just have what God says you're going to have and understand that you're going to love it. <laughs> you're going to be caught up in the beauty of the lamb anyway. <laughs> yeah, enjoy the beach now. Uh, but I, I just I just think, and, and, and it actually speaks to his glory. Yeah, it's going to be something better. It's going to be better. But I know I'm popping some bubbles right now, and that's okay. But we just want to be biblically accurate, right? It says, Then I, John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven for God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. This is a mystery to me that I don't, and I'll tell you what I haven't had revelation on and don't understand, is how it calls the new Jerusalem the bride and it calls us the bride. And so I don't know how that, and it calls us living stones. Like, I don't know how all that's going to shake out. So anyway, it says, And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Literally, sorrow, pain, and crying, gone non-existent man come on then he said he who sat on the throne said behold i make all things new and he said to me right for these words are true and faithful and he said to me it is done i am the alpha and the omega the beginning and the end i will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts he who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son or daughter, obviously. Uh, if we can be a bride, ladies can be sons. But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. So again, you will not... They will, the wicked will not spend eternity in hell. They will spend eternity in the lake of fire. We will not spend eternity in heaven. We will spend eternity in the new heaven and the new earth where they actually, the two become one. There's a marrying of the two. And, and all old things pass away and behold, all things remain new. We have no idea. No idea how blissful and amazing and beautiful it is. It's so he says what God has, and I'm probably messing the scripture up. It says it has not entered into the thoughts of man, the things that God has in store for those who love him. Right. You can't even fathom the glory and the beauty that God has. Verse nine, then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls filled with the seven last plagues came to me and talked with me saying, come, I will show you the bride, the lamb's wife. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me the great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God. Her light was like a most precious stone, like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. Also, she had a great and high wall with 12 gates and 12 angels at the gates and names written on them, which are the names of the 12 tribes of the children of Israel. Three gates on the east, three gates on the north, three gates on the south and three gates on the west. Now the wall of the city had 12 foundations and on them were the names of the 12 apostles of the lamb. And he who talked with me had a gold reed to measure the city, its gates and its wall. The city is laid out as a square. Its length is as a, as great as its breadth. So it's as long as it is wide. Uh, and he measured the city with the reed, 12,000 furlongs. Its length, its breadth, its height are equal then he measured its wall 144 cubits according to the measure of a man, that is of an angel. So we have no idea how big because do you know what a cubit is? Do you guys know what when you read cubits? A cubit is the measure of a from your tip of your finger to your elbow. And that's how they would measure back in the day. That was a cubit. It's like, I can't remember if it's three feet or two and a half feet or, or, or whatever it is, but it's it, that was how they would measure, is a cubit, a measure of a man. So he's saying, according to the measure of a man, actually an angel, 
So we don't know, is it a 10-foot angel? So it could be like a, you know, his cubit's way bigger than our cubit. So it's, it's just a mystery, but I just love that he throws it in there. Measure a man, that is of an angel. Uh, the construction of its walls, wall was of jasper, and the city was pure gold, like clear glass. The foundation of the wall of the city were adorned with all kinds of precious stones. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third chalcedony, the fourth emerald, the fifth sardonyx, the sixth serdus, the seventh crystallite, the eighth burly, the ninth topaz, the tenth, I can't pronounce it, uh, the eleventh <laughs> jacinth, and the twelfth amethyst. The twelve gates were twelve pearls. Each individual gate was of one pearl. Man, extravagance. God didn't waste anything for us. Man, he went all out. Man. And the street of the city was pure gold like transparent glass. But I saw no temple in it. For the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. Woo! Felt that. The Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city had no need of the sun. The sun's gone, guys. Or the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminated it. The Lamb is its light, and the nations of those who are saved shall walk in its light, and the kings of the earth bring their glory and honor into it. Its gate shall not be shut at all by day. There shall be no night there. Night's gone, guys. And they shall bring the glory and the honor of the nations into it. But there shall by no means enter in, in it anything that defiles or causes abomination, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the middle of its streets and on either side of the river was the tree of life, which bore twelve fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. So there will be months. Mm -hmm. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations, and there shall be no more curse. But the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. They shall see his face, and his name shall be on their foreheads. That is your eternal position. Forever and ever looking at him, seeing his face and his glory shining on you. Listen, I don't think we're going to have any time to to be preoccupied worrying about a beach or this or that. I'm just going to be looking at the land, you know, forever and ever and ever. Uh, ooh. There shall be no night there, for they need no lamp, nor the light of the sun. For the Lord gives them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. Then he said to me, these words are faithful and true, and the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show his servant the things which must shortly take place. Guys, if he wrote shortly, 2,000-something years ago, it's shortly. Behold, I am coming quickly. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. Now I, John, saw and heard these things, and when I heard and saw, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel who showed me these things. Then he said to me, See that you do not do that, for I am your fellow servant and of your brethren the prophets, and of those who keep the words of this book. Worship God. And he said to me, Do not seal the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. He who is unjust, let him be unjust still. He who is filthy, let him be filthy still. He who is righteous, let him be righteous still. He who is holy, let him be holy still. And behold, I am coming quickly. My reward is with me to give everyone according to his work. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are those who do his commandments, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates into the city. But outside are dogs and sorcerers and sexually immoral and murderers, and adulterers, and whoever loves and practices a lie. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things in the churches. 
I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and morning star. And the spirit and the bride say, come. And let him who hears say, come. And let him who thirsts come. Whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. For I testify to everyone who hears the word of this prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to these things, God will add to him the plagues that are written in the book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part from the book of life, from the holy city, and from the things which are written in this book. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming quickly. Amen. Amen. Even so, come Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Bride, we must change the way that we look at the lost. We must change the way that we look at each other. We must change the way that we view the day when we wake up. I have been feeling an urgency in these last days to preach, to teach truth, to preach right doctrine. I'm reminded of Paul's commission to Timothy to be prepared in season and out of season, to <coughs> preach, to comfort, to re rebuke, to exhort, to correct with all right doctrine, to know God rightly, to, to do the work of an evangelist, to preach like, listen, when you, I want you to take the words of this prophecy embed them by the spirit in your heart that's what i'm praying today that they would be embedded by the spirits into by the spirit into our hearts that when we wake up and our feet hit the floor we're thinking of eternity that when you meet that person and you're going and you're coming when you walk into to work and you see those who you know are not going to make it inside the city that you'll be branded with a perspective of the lens of eternity and you'll know man they've already been judged They've already been judged, but we have an advocate, Christ Jesus. We have a mediator. We have the best defense attorney that ever walked the planet that can overturn their case. He can overturn that judgment. He can bring their name before their father and their name can be written in the Lamb's book of life and they can be judged righteous just as we have been. They can enter eternal life, understand, really understand what's waiting for them. Really understand what's waiting is the lake of fire where they'll be weeping and gnashing and teeth where the canker worm is and the fire is never quenched. But that is a reality. But for those of us who have committed our lives to Jesus, there is bliss and total ecstasy forever and ever and ever. <clears throat> Lord, I pray, brand us with a lens of eternity. May our, the gospel that we share be the full gospel. May we not leave out eternal judgment. May we understand rightly. May we have the foundation of eternal judgment be laid in our life, God. You said these are the, the principal things, the elementary, the beginning doctrines, God. That we would be lay the foundation of the church, of our belief, of our faith. They are the foundations of our faith. May we build off of this. May everything we do come, come off of the foundation and eternal judgment. God, that those who perish, not knowing you, are judged to damnation, the lake of fire. They are damned to be tortured and tormented with Satan, the false prophet, and the beast forever and ever and ever. But those who receive you, God, those who you've drawn and who accept your will, you have given the right to be sons and daughters of God. You've written your name on their foreheads. You've given them eternal, everlasting life of bliss and ecstasy, God. Help us look at life through this lens. Give us the lens of eternal judgment, God, I pray right now. God, I pray that when you come in your last day, that you would give us grace and have mercy on us that we wouldn't be found with blood on our hands. That we wouldn't be found with the blood of those who were lost and we didn't minister to. That we didn't share truth. Lord, it's not our responsibility to get them to, to follow you. 
but it's our responsibility to tell them the truth, to be a witness of the truth that you came and walked in flesh, that you died for our sins and by it we're made right with you, that we are resurrected and that you're coming and eternal judgment has been made. Empower us now. Boldness as witnesses. Come, Holy Spirit, empower us to be witnesses, boldly proclaiming the whole truth. God, right now I pray, fresh grace to speak your truth, and then confirm your word in mighty signs and wonders. Stretch out your hand to perform signs and wonders, God, I pray. Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.